we want to welcome you uh, to the house of the Lord this morning. Welcome to those who are joining us online. My name is Erica Lavalli, and I'm part of the uh, teaching team here at Living Hope. And so before we start, I just want to start with prayer. Hallelujah. Lord, as Maya prayed, Lord, today we just want you to speak to every individual heart here today. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would open up the hearts to hear, Lord God, to understand Open up the eyes to see, Lord God, and the ears to hear what you are saying today. Lord, we want to pray also in the name of Jesus against any distraction. We take authority in the name of Jesus against any oppression, any cloudedness, any slumber, anything that would keep your people from hearing, oh God, Holy Spirit, your voice today. And so we ask that you would just speak your word, Lord, today. Amen. So we are continuing our series. We had a beautiful sermon uh, on clarity from our pastor uh, Mona last week. And I think it was just really a call to awakening that we all needed. And so this week we're continuing with our series, Refuge in God. Pastor Mona had started with just explaining what it means to find refuge. And she had ended with, you know, we find refuge as we trust in his power authority, and sovereignty. This means we place our faith over our feelings as God is in control of each situation and struggles we face. Our brother Doug uh, explained the safety of God's refuge, and he brought the story of Elisha and his servant, and I love that story. I don't know about you, but that sermon really ministered to me, and really the Holy Spirit has just been speaking to our hearts through the series and so our, one of our main scriptures that we are um, using, thank you, for the series is in Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. If you have your, mo your mobile devices or your Bibles, you can join me there. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This week we're talking about abiding. In the New King James Version of that very same verse, it says, uh, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So there's safety in abiding in God. But what does it mean to abide? Abiding is a place where you dwell, where you sit, where you live. So abiding is that other word for living. It's where you live. And a refuge is where we find our safety in the storm. It is our place of comfort. Comfort, Like I said, it's where we live. And I, I wanted to use the passage in Matthew 7. And I find it illustrates and it best describes what it means to abide in God. So in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24, it says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. 
The rain comes down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against this house and it felt with a great crash. And so you see two types of houses here. One that is built on the rock. And who is our rock? Jesus. Jesus is our rock. And those who, he, and it's not talking about someone who's never heard the word. It's saying those who hear the word and do not put it into practice builds their house on the sand. And it, great is its demise. And so if we're not abiding in Christ, we are by default abiding somewhere else. We all have houses that we built, our place of dwelling, our, where we live, where we set up camp. And it's, this is what happens in our spiritual lives, in our emotional lives, and as, as our, you know, our, our physical lives as well. But where do we set up our camps spiritually? Where do we set up our camps uh, emotionally? Where ha what have we built upon? And so if we're not abiding in Christ, we're by default abiding somewhere else. And our, our natural tendency is to seek something else to live independently of God. We look to our own human way, our own wisdom, to our own desires, and we follow that and we often build on that. And so just to further explain on those two different types of houses, you have house number one which is someone who is abiding in Christ. And you have to remember, safety, refuge, it's a person. It's, in, it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And according to John 15, I love that, that passage of Scripture because it really defines, Jesus spills it out, and he, he defines what it means to abide in him, to make our place of dwelling, to make our home with him. What does that look like? What's the outcome of that? And he says, when you abide with me, your life will bear fruit. And actually, he says also, he says, ask, he says, you know, if we're uh, abiding in him, that what we ask, we will receive. So we, it's a place where we get what our heart really longs for. That's, that's really important to remember, that when we abide, our, what our heart's longings are satisfied. And we experience the love of God and we experience his joy. We can be saved and yet not experience his love. We can accept salvation, accept the forgiveness of sins, and just stay there and never move on in our walk with the Lord. And I've lived for too long in house number two. I used to live according to my wisdom and obeyed my own desires, pursued what I believed was best for me, and what was the outcome? In all aspects of my life, without the direction of the Lord, my life becomes less than. And I want to share, you know, it, it, you know, in, in the house number two, it's where the Adamic nature lives. It's built on that, what that inheritance we receive from Adam, it's that house of, that's built by the flesh. It's that refuge that's built by the flesh. And I just want to use the story of Cain. We all, for many of us, we're familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. They're the first who inherited that, that sin nature, the first uh, children out of the garden. And they got that legacy of the flesh. And so Abel presents to God in, in Genesis chapter 4, he presents what God has given him. He, he's a shepherd. He recognizes that the sheep are 
are God's creation, and he offers to God back what God has given him. Cain, out of his flesh efforts, you know, he, he works and toils the ground, and he offers to God what he has brought to fruition. God is displeased with his gift, and instead of seeking the Lord to, to say, okay, God, what is it that your heart longs for? He says, no, I want to serve you, God, on my terms. I want to do it my way. I want to offer you what I have done, built on the flesh, that house built on the flesh. And he continues on that path and still tries to have God work his way. And out of that comes strife, kills his brother, and God, you know, asks him, you know, um, Cain, where's your brother? Not that he didn't know where Abel was. He's like, well, I'm not my brother's babysitter. Why are you asking me, you know? And God says, you know, that blood cries out from the ground. And what follows the building of his own house, the flesh work, is a toiling that becomes hard. And we've seen Genesis that that separation from God brings that it became very, very difficult, more difficult to toil the ground. So life became, becomes more difficult. But isn't that what happens when we build our lives, our refuge with the flesh? And, you know, when we, the moment we accept Jesus, you know, we are delivered from the, the, the slavery to sin. The, the bondage to sin. But it doesn't mean that that sin nature is not there still. So now becomes the option between bowing down to the work of the spirit or bowing down to the work of the flesh, which its outcome is toiling so much harder than we need to. Secondly, our heart Really, when we start pursuing what we think we want, what we thought, what we think we need, what we think is best for us, well, our heart does not get what it actually really longs for. And it is left empty. We have a tendency of deceiving ourselves in saying, if I have A, B, and C, then I will be complete. If I if this should be, this is the way I'm going to keep myself safe. This is what, how I'm going to get what I need, what I want, what I long for. But in the end, what it does is leave that emptiness. The enemy's promises are empty. And the flesh work leaves us also empty. That refuge leaves us empty. Because when the winds blow, when the tides rise, what happens to the foundation you laid through your flesh work? It falls and it had great is its demise. And you know what? We keep going back to those very same things. You know, I'm going to keep myself, but it keeps falling down. And yet we keep going back to it. And then we become angry and bitter. And also in that place, when we operate on our flesh work, there's also that loneliness. And there's that one line in, in Genesis 4, it says, and then you will become a restless wanderer. So when we choose our own refuge, we become restless wanderers. God wants to put our feet on solid ground. He wants to offer his comfort that's given by the Holy Spirit. And there was a point in my life where... When I went through burnout, um, and I mean, I didn't have all of my mind. For those who, who saw me be in that place, my it's like, you know, just the carpet was ripped from under me. And I was lost, and I was restless, and I was wandering. 
God called me to make a decision, to make a choice. And that was to move in with the pastors. That means I had to let go of my own place of abiding to go and abide with someone else. It was difficult. I had to let go of all my autonomy, all my independence, everything, and then submit myself in a place of refuge. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's great. Now I'm in a place of safety. But let me tell you, it's difficult to let go of that, that independence, let go of that autonomy. And it was it was pulling teeth and it was difficult. And there's times where I'm like, why did I make this decision? Every I've lost everything, it seemed. And that's what God calls us sometimes to do is to let go of that refuge, that place where we found our abiding, where we camped out, where we lived. God is asking you to let go. But you know what? It's not easy to let go of that because you're going to say, well, God, I'm going to let go of my autonomy. You mean I can't, I don't have my autonomous decision on this. That means I have to depend on you on this. And God is saying, yes, that's what I want for you. But often we don't want to let go. Why? Because there's so many lies that are built in. If I let go of that autonomy, that means I'm going to be robbed of that. I'm going to have less than. And God's saying, no, if you let go of that refuge, you will have so much more. Now, I needed to let go of that autonomy for a season because I was broken. I was was more than broken. I was helpless and vulnerable and hurting. And God asked me to let go so that he could rebuild me again. And God is asking you to let go of that refuge so that he can rebuild you again, so that he can bring healing, restoration, purpose, and confidence once more. So how do I abide? What does that look like? John 15, 10 says, If you keep my command, you will remain in my love just as I have kept the Father's command and remain in his love. That means that we have to obey. We have to listen and obey. That place of refuge, it's not on our own terms. And let me tell you, living with someone else on their terms, that was not easy. That means I have to follow their schedule. That means I have to eat what they're eating for supper. That means that, you know, the chores that I felt like doing at that time, you know, no, I was under their rule. And I didn't like that. No one likes that. Being under God's refuge means that we start doing it according to his terms, according to his rule, according to his purpose. It's not our house anymore. It's his. We're living in his house. But that means that we let go of our ways of doing things, our goals, our desires. You know, not so much our desires, but, you know, pursuing what we think our actual desires are. And as I started submitting, see, God had to do something so great in me because, you know, this was just a physical um, moment of learning to submit under someone else's home and, and, and uh, rule. But it really was a reflection of something much greater. There was a brokenness there, here, an unsubmission to God's rule, God's protection, God's care for me. But I needed to learn how to submit. So finding a refuge in God 
comes in a place of submission under his rule. Matthew 7, 24 says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus is our rock. God is a refuge for us, but on his terms, in his way, not ours. And so it's listening and obeying. But, you know, part of listening and obeying means that I need to know how to listen and obey. It's easy to just say, okay, we'll just listen and obey. Okay, well, God, how is God speaking? And how does that work to listen to God? How do I discern what God is saying and remain under the shadow of the Almighty? So there's two things, three things that we need to do. We need to uh, recognize. It's in the next slide. We need to recognize, we need to believe, and we need to surrender. And it's pretty cool because we were going through this uh, just with discipleship this week. And that's really at the foundation of our walk with God. So at the foundation of hearing God's will is recognizing that God has intended goals for my life. You know, we feel kind of restless sometimes that God has a specific plan for your life. So that's kind of at the foundation of hearing God's voice is I need to recognize that first he has a plan for my life. God, and what is his plan? What is his goal for our lives? God wants me to love him and allow him to transform me. And God wants to use my life to touch others. You know, living in under someone else's home, that means that my life now revolves around someone else's life. But too often, we want God to accommodate our goals. We have goals. We tell God what our goals are. And God says, how about you start living them according to my goals for your life? That be the center instead of what you think. Because when we look to the future and we set up, you know, what we want our future to look like, what we want to obtain in the future, is it directed by God's goals or is it motivated by what you think will be best for you in the future? And that's how we kind of make our decisions in that place. And God says, no. And we think, you know, well, if my goal becomes all about God, then where am I left with this? Am I going to be without? Well, I want to tell you something. Leaving that place, learning to submit to God, my life now is more fulfilled than it has ever been. All that I was holding on to was nothing compared to what God has given me now. The infilling of my heart, the desire of my heart, what I really longed for, I tried pursuing in different things, thinking that that would fill the longing in my heart, but let me tell you, it did not. God is the one who knows exactly you inside out. He knows what your heart actually longs for. He knows what you need more than you know you need. And that's the thing where we need to let go of that autonomy, thinking I know what I need more than God knows. But we need to trust him in that. And as I've learned to trust him in that, I've seen my heart be filled. In little things, like example, like planning out my vacations. 
You know, I used to plan my vacations and ask God to bless it. Now I prayerfully consider my vacations and ask him what he wants me to do. And God has, I'm telling you, my vacations have never been so great. Never had such restful vacations ever. Why? Because God has good plans for me. He just wants me to listen to him. And this is just one little thing. I can't, I can't say I do this perfectly in all areas of my life. I wish I did. But I long, but the more I experience that, the more I want to give him greater access over my life, greater control over my life, because I know that the outcome is good. Secondly, oh, and just to, to, to confirm that, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance. God has good plans for you. Greater plans than you ever, ever even imagined. You know, it's so amazing because the little that I aspire to, God did so much greater. I can't, I could never have aspired you know, even 10 years ago, that I would be where I am today. I didn't have hopes that great for my life. But God has greater expectations for your life. He created you. Secondly, we need to believe. I need to believe that He has a plan for me and that He wants to reveal it to me. That's actually a prerequisite to hearing His voice, is believing believing it's the prerequisite to hearing what he has to say I need to believe that he has a plan for me and that he wants to reveal it to me I need to believe that he is able he is able to carry out that plan for my life and thirdly I need to believe that his plan is good for me I think that's the greatest lie that the enemy will come at you with is that you let go of that where you abided that house you built, that where you put your confidence in, you'll be, you'll, something will be removed, will be taken away from you. No, God is there to give something so much greater. And we know the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And you know, sometimes we have a hard time believing. So what do we do then? Well, as Mark in Mark 9:24, like that father who brought his son something that was broken in his son's life. He brought it before Jesus. And he said, immediately the boy, the boy's father claimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. God, I want to believe this for my life. I want to believe that you're good. I want to believe God, but it's just there's something in my heart. And you know what? God answers that prayer. He does. And thirdly, I need to surrender. Surrender means that I desire His will and seek it. Not my will, His will. And what does that look like, you know, in just practically is just saying, God, today, God, I want to know what your will is for today, for my day today. And I stay open to be changed. That means I stay open to be teachable. And it's, it's, it's a turnaround. It's, it's something that's difficult because that means that I let go of all my preoccupations and turn my eyes to Jesus, to Him, Him only. Not the things, not the problems, to Him. I turn to Him. Seek 
him, knowing that if I, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I just put that trust. I surrender. I surrender, God, all of my problems, all of my concerns, and I just seek you. And I trust him with my life, even if there is a risk. For me, it was risky letting go of everything, giving up everything to be obedient to what God was asking me in that, in that moment, was, which was to move with, in with the pastors at that time. And then really experiencing, sometimes it's about letting go of a goal. Well, I want to accomplish this. I want to be able to do this. And God says, there's a risk. That means that you have to let go of that goal and know that I want something better for you. And I obey even if it means sacrifice. That's what it means to surrender. So I I recognize that God has intended goals for my life. That means that I turn for away from my goals to God's goals. I believe that he has a plan for my life and that he's able to carry it out and that he has got good plans for me. And I surrender, surrender everything into his hands and stay open for him to change my heart. Surrendering to someone else is difficult. It's not easy. It's not like, okay, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to surrender. <laughs> it's difficult. We have to acknowledge that. It's not just something that just happens overnight. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit even to do that. So to live under someone else's rule, that's difficult. But it's good. It is good for us. And it's about relationship really in the end. A trusting, uh, and you know what's really amazing about all, all that is that we never earned, you know, in, in, in worldly relationships, we have to earn that trust with people, right? For them to trust us and for them to, you know, to interact with us, you have to build that. God, Jesus offered it to us for nothing. Like, well, not for nothing, but I mean, we, he doesn't require us any, from us anything. He gives us immediately relationship, undeserved relationship, and sometimes we feel like we've got to fix things, all the bad things that we've done. God, oh God, I've, I've been ignoring you. I need to earn my way. God says, just come. I'm here. We don't have to earn it back. And it's because it's, it was never on our own merit in the first place. John 15 states, he says, I have called you friend. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So that place of abiding, God says, you know what? In that place of abiding is the safety of that relationship. I love you. And there's, he sends us the Holy Spirit as our helper. And there's God's love that comes in that place of abiding. And God is inviting you today to let go of your, that means that we turn away from where we've abided before and we turn to our refuge in God. And even when everything in us resists abiding in him, because it's a fight. Let me tell you, if you want to start abiding in Jesus, let me tell you, it's like all hell's going to break loose. Because that flesh inside of you, the flesh nature is still there, but it has no power over you. 
It has no power over you. And you know why? You ask Jesus to help you. You say, God, I need that help even to spend time with you. And there's this wonderful quote by John Bunyan. He's the one who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. A, just a great man of God. He says, when I go aside in order to pray, I find my heart unwilling to approach God. Anybody else in that boat? <laughs> I know I'm not the only one. And I'm glad to know that there's these great men of God who experience the same as well. He says, when I tarry in prayer, my heart is unwilling to abide in him. Therefore, I am compelled first to pray to God to move my heart into himself. And when I am in him, I pray that my heart remains in him. So you're not alone. Even in, in walking that journey from walking from one place of abiding to the to his place of abiding, that place of listening to his voice and walking in obedience and spending that time being quiet before the Lord, hearing him. And when everything in you wants to be distracted with everything else, you can ask the enablement of the Holy Spirit to do it. And even in those places where you need to obey, where the Holy Spirit has asked you to obey on one thing, and you're like, God, I'm struggling with this. I can't seem to stop doing this, God. You can ask the help of the Holy Spirit to enable you to walk out in obedience. Let me tell you, it's, it's crazy the amount of grace and empowerment we have access to. In the very small things of life, for me to make a phone call to anything government-wise, it kind of petrifies me. And so I ask the help of the Holy Spirit, you know, God, I know I need to be responsible. Help me to make that call. And during that day, God, the Holy Spirit enables me to do that. When I'm struggling with, with doing something, being obedient to what he asked me to do, all I need to do is I've discovered that that's, it's that easy. I just need to ask him for help. And he comes to my rescue. And under his refuge, there is empowerment as well. God delights in seeing his people walk in freedom. He delights in seeing his children walk in the grace and the benefits of his presence. And he wants you to experience the same as well. But there's that, it's just, it's just as simple as asking God. He says, ask and you shall receive. And so there are times in our walk where it's easier to abide in the lies we believe also about ourselves and about God. God has a good plan for you and his truth about you is, much, is a much greater place to live than in the negative view that we have lived in for a long time. Sometimes that place of dwelling is a belief. You know, a belief about ourselves, a belief about our future, a belief about God's willingness to help us in our time of difficulty and stronghold. And I love this quote by Priscilla Shire. She was, had a devotion on the study of the, uh, of the life of Gideon. And he's, that's kind of a, a, such a great example because Gideon, Gideon, I mean, he was hiding in a wine press, you know, hiding from the enemy, trying to, to live his daily life. And God calls him out of hiding. And he says, you're mighty man of valor. It is like, did you just notice that I was hiding a while ago? Yeah, and even though we sometimes we act not according to who we are, and God called it out of him. And she says, 
Sometimes instead of acting in a way that is congruent, that means that matches with what he says, I casually dismiss it as something that might be true for others, but not for me. Without him, left to, with my own reality, I am all of those things I think of myself. Fearful, incompetent, insignificant, but with him, my purposes and possibilities completely change. Are you tired of living in that place that gets swept over when the storms come? Where you're completely incapacitated. God says, come to me. Come under my refuge, but it means that you're doing it my way because your way hasn't worked really well. Anyway, so God is inviting you. It's his invitation today. Are there areas of your life today where you have abided under the work of the flesh, under your own refuge? And where has it brought you? Things that you're unwilling to let go, unwilling to do it God's way. That means that you're, you're under your own authority. But how has that gone for you? God wants to give you so much more, so much greater. And you're not alone. God wants you to find refuge in him. And he's also willing to help you fight off everything that keeps you from finding safety and refuge in him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. God wants, to wants you to simply seek, believe, and surrender. And we're just going to take a moment as uh, the worship team plays a song. And I want you to take a moment just with God. We all have those areas of our lives where we haven't been abiding. Sometimes it's kind of like our whole life, everything in our life, that we live under our own very faulty refuge and that place of abiding. Where have you been sitting? Where have you been sitting with your thoughts, your feelings? Or have you been sitting and abiding in his truth and not just listening to it, but doing what he's asking? And so the invitation today is just simply just come to God today. Recognize that he has a plan for your life. Believe that he wants to do something great. And surrender all that you've been holding on to that has actually been causing you more harm than good. Because God has a good plan for you, a hope and a future. And he wants to be your refuge and draw closer to you for you to experience his love his peace, and his joy. Hallelujah.